On this episode of The Playbook, I have the president of the San Francisco 49ers and the CEO of Elevate Sports Ventures, Al Guido, and he's going to talk about how to start in sales and work your way up to the highest level in the NFL and why EQ, that's right, emotional intelligence is as important, if not more, than IQ. Join me for all of that and more on The Playbook. This is Entrepreneur's The Playbook, where each week I bring you some of the greatest athletes, celebrities, and entrepreneurs to talk about their personal and professional playbook to success and what made them champions on the field and in the boardroom. I'm your host and CEO of Sports One Marketing, David Meltzer. This is Dave Meltzer with Entrepreneurs of Playbook, and I'm so excited to have the president of the San Francisco 49ers, Al Guido. Welcome to the Playbook. Hey, man. Thanks for having me in. I appreciate it. You know, I've been working in this industry a long time, and there's names of kind of the young, up-and-coming superstars. And, you know, we were talking about Zach Leonsis, right? We have Jake Reynolds. And then now I have the trifecta because we have Al Guido. And the reason I love it is that this sport... Uh, although it has its legacy, its tradition, guys like me have worked with the greatest legacy players, marketed the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You know, I'm a technology guy at heart. And to see Jerry Jones Jr. and people like you really innovating how sports can not only entertain, but also monetize. And that experience is unique to you. I want to take you back a little bit. How did you get started in sports? (laughs) Well, I appreciate that. It's you know, but so, by the way, you're a football guy and a sales guy. So <laughs> you are like already top of my list, like my two favorite things. It's an honor to be mentioned amongst those names. Uh, I don't feel so young anymore with three <laughs> girls, 10, 8, and 6. But uh, well, you I got gr- the baby boy coming. You just don't know it. I, <laughs> yeah. I got 2018. It's, it's called my dog. His name's That's Rocky. That's what I used to say. <laughs> baby Shepherd. oops is coming. You just cursed yourself. Watch. Little uh, boy, name him David when he comes. I, I happily take it at this point. No, we, uh, I grew up in South Jersey. Uh, my father and mother were in uh, Pennsylvania. We moved to the suburbs in South Jersey. Diehard Philadelphia sports fan across the board. And uh, when I went to college, I went to a small school called Trenton State College, which then became a college in New Jersey. Played some small-time D3 football. I was a quarterback and corner in high school and played some basketball. I immediately went there and a 6'5 kid from Rhode Island transferred down to D3. And I meet, they were like, hey, do you play any other positions because you're not going to be playing quarterback? <laughs> I moved to wide out. Uh, I had a ton of fun. I got out of school I didn't really know what I wanted to do, to be honest with you. I, I, I wanted to make some money. My father was a truck driver. My mother was an administrator. And so for me, it was all about providing for my family and, and getting up as fast as I could in the world. I was waiting tables at a restaurant after I'd played my football and doing just to make enough ends, to make ends meet, obviously pay my college bills. A guy offered me a job to work for American Express Financial. So I became a financial advisor literally the day before I graduated college. Six months into that, after passing my certifications, my father called me with a classified ad from the Philadelphia Inquirer saying that they were having a job fair at the what was then the first union center, which is now Wells Fargo. Um, I took a six-dollar-an-hour telemarketing job selling tickets out of the basement of the Philadelphia Spectrum. And then, you know, fast forward 18 years, and the quickest way to do it, I've been uh, unbelievably lucky to work for some great people, some great brands, and great teams. Uh, my big break was probably working for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, we started a company from that. I got hired from the 49ers, and the rest is sort of history. But you've been the top of the class as far as achievement in sales, and I read that you credit that a lot to what you learned on the football field. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer that, look, I think it's an issue in our country right now that I always say EQ is as important, if sometimes not, is more important than IQ. And 
a lot of what I learned was from my coaches, from being a teammate. It's the hard work, it's the values, it's the accountability. Frankly, it's the grit and perseverance that we all that we need. And there's no better place than on a football field. I mean, it's a physical manifestation. You literally get knocked down and you have to get back up. And you don't have a choice. You can't opt out. Uh, well, I guess you can, but I wasn't going to. Right. And so I always wanted to be a really good teammate. Um, being a quarterback, you're accountable. You know all the 10 other positions. Frankly, the coach would yell at you if somebody else messed up because it was your job to tell them what to do. And I think all of those values, all of those traits, those characteristics, they stuck with me. And the minute I got into the business world, a lot of the reason why I wanted to get into sports is because I knew I couldn't impact on the field anymore. You see my stature. Um, but I could impact it off it. And you could do it with the same values, the same characteristics, the same traits, um, hard work, accountability, being there for your customers, going a step further for someone, um, as I say, so they feel part of your family. If you do all those things right, look, you're gonna have ups and downs, there's gonna be things that go bad, um, but if you do those things, generally you have success. And I, you know, I talked about the sales and the football background, because as a D3 football player and also a salesperson, I rose the, to, through the ranks as an executive, and there's this great transition from being a really good salesperson, someone that could sell, you know, ice to Eskimos right. into an executive, where you're, you know, always selling up and down, as I always say. You know, you still have the board there and you're selling down. And when I was about your age, that transition uh, was difficult, but I managed the same way. You went from COO to president so quickly with the Niners. You were at Legends, you were at the Coyotes. Everywhere you went, you call it luck. I know Mike Tannenbaum, my good friend also I went to law school with, he calls it luck. But there's certain people and certain qualities uh, that I think transcend business. There's this EQ that you call you know, mm -hmm. emotional intelligence. Just like on the football field, I believe there's a football intelligence. No like question. my business partner, Warren Moon, is QB1 Kenobi. Like he sees things that I don't even exist in my world. Yeah. Uh, through that though, you, you're now you know, at the top of the top team in the NFL. And with that comes a lot of responsibility, but yet you're not in the traditional cover your ass space. You're doing things like giving free food you know, I just saw $20 extra yep. for each ticket. You got yep. popcorn, hot dogs, Pepsi products. Genius. And is it too hidden the secret to, to tell me why you made that decision to go with a flat rate, all you can eat? We continue to want to innovate. And so you're right. I think you can get caught flat-footed in anything, whether it's sports or business. And uh, I've always said, my wife tells me I'm a little bit of a tortured soul because if I <laughs> if I get down the mountain, I'll just build another one and run back up it. And, <laughs> and I, Sisyphus over here. Yeah, and I, 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 to me, it's um, sports and entertainment is changing rapidly. It, not just in stadium, but out of stadium. You think about content, you think about gambling, right? You think about all the rules and regulations, and then you think about in stadium. And it's becoming increasingly more difficult to get fans off their couches or off their streaming devices and into, into venues. And what's happening now with the advent of the secondary market and the transparency, and look, Michael Rapino is a board member of ours at my other company, Elevate Sports Ventures, now says there is no, there, no more sold out venues. You know, when we were growing up, right, it was, you go up to the box office like a movie theater, you buy your ticket, if it's sold out, you go home. Now, I open up my phone when I get to New York, I look up the best sports entertainment there, and I, as long as I got the wherewithal, I could buy a ticket. And so how are we thinking through benefits, amenities, and value for our, our most loyal fans, our season ticket members? And with the San Francisco 49ers, we have over $600 million of seat licenses that are committed to in that stadium. Over 60,000 season tickets sold in that stadium, which is one of the highest capacities of season tickets. So there's only so many things we can do, right? I can't control the on-field. 
uh, performance, right? All we can do is try our best on that side. But I can control as much as I can. Parking, food and beverage, content, entertainment, guest service, all the things that actually matter to you when you go. And food and beverage was one of those elements. It's a small line item. And so I think Arthur Blank really paved the way here last year, to be frank, when he did street pricing. Because I worked with Arthur in my past life as consulting. And I remember being in a room when he told me this. He said, Al, why do you go to the Masters, which is one of the best hospitality events ever, and they charge two, three, four bucks for what they buy, right? A hot dog should cost what a hot dog costs, whether it's on the street, whether it's in a restaurant, or whether it's in a stadium. What they're really buying is the value of that ticket because you cannot replicate that experience. But you can replicate a hot dog, you replicate a burger. So for the 49ers, it was what's the next evolution of that? And so if you think through it now, with all this mobile technology, we know the origin of every single ticket, it didn't take much for us to say, just take that barcode or take whatever it is and just be able to give that people, load it into what they buy. If you think about it in our daily lives, when I check into a hotel, do I really want to be charged the $13.95 for the enhanced Wi-Fi or should you have just charged me when I booked my hotel room rate? It's all those add-ons that frankly um, make that customer experience more negative. And so for us, if you buy it in your ticket, you spread it out over 12 months, when you show up to the building, you're going to consume more food and beverage, you're going to feel better about the opportunity. Those are all the reasons. That's a great reason. One of the areas I think is neglected with themes is the group, like my son, nine years old. You know, I was talking to Gary Vaynerchuk and with Tillman, and he said, you, you should yeah. be sending a, jer a Rockets jersey to every six-year-old in Houston. You know, seeding that. And I think with technology, with gaming, uh, with Elevate, the venture that you're linked yep. up with Harris Blitzer, you know, all these different aggregated solutions. I wonder how, with the prices going up, do we seed the young people? Because the participation with, for example, the NFL is going to go down in the tackle football realm. We know that. N not that it's bad or good, because I believe that Madden, believe it or not, I, I believe it saves the NFL for life because we're gonna educate the world how to play football. There's no yeah. better way to teach football right. than that game. That's right. And the whole world's gonna learn and love that game, whether they play tackle or flag. Our, our head coach, I think, still plays. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But how are you seeding the future of football and your team? I think it's a great question. And we think about the life cycle of a journey. And so uh, that's what's fun for me, because I was a fan, right? I was a diehard, upper deck, you know, pinch whatever pennies I had on the couch to afford to a ticket there. to the upper deck of the vet. So I know what it feels like to, to sort of scratch and claw for that. And I always say the 49ers, every child, um, boy or girl, now obviously with the with flag football, and you got girls playing tackle, I can't wait till like Carly Lloyd, hopefully, like we got a good kicker in Robbie Gold, but if we yeah. didn't, you know, Carly <laughs> Lloyd would be a call for us. Every single child in the Bay Area who's thinking about playing football, as I mentioned, all the characteristics and values, should walk around with the San Francisco 49ers logo on it. That should be our commitment to that community. You should know what it feels like. You should in instill those traits in even the youth kids. So what does it mean to be a 49er? shouldn't just be at the professional level. It should be all the way down to the, to the child level. And it's not about monetizing that fan. It's really not. It's all about teaching the principles of what's great about sports. And then if they grow up to become a season ticket holder, great. That'd be awesome. If they grow up to watch it on their couch, that's fantastic too. And so for us, that whole life cycle journey is important. It's how do we take care of the fans today in our, our building, but how do we build the next generation of fans? Those that we say, are, our, our season ticket holders call themselves the faithful. Our fans call themselves the faithful. What is, who is faithful to the Bay forever? 
And all along that life journey, it's our opportunity, frankly, it's our duty to service those fans in the best way possible. I always say, I'm just holding the keys for a little while. I hope I get to hold them for as long as possible. But as long as I'm driving the car, our organization is gonna to try to do the best we can no matter where you fit in that journey. As president of a team, you also have a venture group. Yeah. And yeah. like your job's not hard enough. Uh, what to you is the purpose or the motivation behind you know, the aggregation of all those great minds in that venture group? Like, what is your motivation? First and foremost, it's people. I mean, we wanna help young entrepreneurs, young and or old, depending upon where you're at, get to that next step. And there's a lot of young startup companies that frankly, they can't afford seven-figure sponsorships, right? They're not, at a, they're not at a stage in their career where they, but they could really use our assets. They could really use our brand. They could really use our leverage. And so if you think about sports teams, it's changed, right? Most of the time it's buy the stadium or build a stadium and, and invest in the sports team. Well, those things are still there. The question then becomes is now we're bigger enterprises, right? We have real estate arms, we have venture arms. If you think about all the crossroads, the intersections of sports, you have the actual game itself, you have the stadium fan experience, and then you have all the elements that go into it. So if there's a, when then we're not technologists. If there's a technologist that's out there that says, I got the best stadium app that will help you get your fans in the stadium faster, well, I want that, right? If I got, hey, hey we have the best app, app to hydrate your players so they don't get dehydrated and cramp, we want that. We're looking for competitive advantages wherever we can find them, whether it be on the field or off the field. And if frankly we're not doing that, someone's gonna pass us by. I think of ourselves as an NFL football team and a sports entertainment property. And once you think that way, why wouldn't you be in venture? Why wouldn't you be talking to all the people that can move your business forward? That's how we do it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's such a different world where I created what I called Shakespearean stage theory. It's everything when we were young was live. Yep. You know, and now it's about capturing it correctly, amplifying it, and perpetuating. And the greatest content, the greatest frequency, will last and perpetuate the longest. Which is why I always say, go on YouTube and watch, you know, Mickey Mouse Club. There's 470 million views. So true. And there's no such thing as YouTube when they had the black and white whistling mouse. Um, so true. And I, we always say, like Bill, Bill McDermott. I know we're sitting here with SAP yeah. Cup in front of me. <laughs> Bill once told me his advice, like do what you do well and do it well often. Don't do what you don't do well at all, right? And rely on those who do those things well. And so in the Bay Area, we have the best technologists in the world that come to us every single day saying, I have this, I've created this, what do you think? And I, you know, like you said, I mean, it's all relying on people that are smarter, better, more in tune with what they're doing than we're not. And mentorship has been a big part you know, from the Cowboys to the Coyotes to, you know, on and on all the way through to the Niners now, even within the Bay Area, there's so many great mentors. What do you, right now, I'm sure you still have mentorship. What do you look for in a mentor now uh, when you're picking and choosing, how am I gonna get this mentorship? Trust is the ultimate human currency. Um, people that uh, trust me, I trust them, and they're looking out for what's best for me as a person, first and foremost, my family, and then ultimately my job. And so, Bill Walsh was such a tremendous innovator. I never had the pleasure to meet him, but obviously I read the book and I challenge my leaders inside of our organization when somebody comes and onboards is spend 30 minutes with the person. Don't ask them one, one question about their job. Who are they as a person? What motivates them? What are they fearful of? You'll get to a, such a level with that human being where trust is now built up and then you can manage from an accountability perspective around what we want out of that individual from a work product standpoint. I've been blessed to work 
Jed York, um, one, is first and foremost an unbelievable friend. He's an unbelievable innovator, um, tremendous entrepreneur. He's, he was the first, I mean, if you think about it, even Eddie D, right, all the Super Bowls, um, Jed built a stadium, and that stadium had not been built in California for 50 years. I mean, he's the oldest non-renovated stadium at Candlestick Park, and he pulled it off. And it was guts. It was just sheer will to get there. And, uh, and then I've seen what he's done off the field, in the community, through his foundation. And then you tackle on being able to work for Jerry Jones. I mean, look, you, about guts. I, I like, I'm, I'm <laughs> pleased that you call me a salesperson. That's a salesperson. Oh, I mean, yeah. I, I learned so much about sales and passion and energy for the product itself. And so all along my career, I've had probably, they go about it in different ways, but at the core, um, it's all about culture, people, loyalty, taking care of each other. And when you got that, it's like I said, it's the ultimate human currency. I will run through a wall if I feel like the person that I'm working for has my best interest and my family's best interest at heart. That's awesome. Last question. All the tremendous people that you've been around, situations and experiences and lessons that you've learned, do you have one favorite saying or one favorite piece of advice that you would give an entrepreneur that's looking to work within sports? Yeah, it's probably my own because I don't want to steal somebody else's. There's so many quotes I could probably pull from. Um, and it's really simple. Outside of my door before I leave to go to work every single day when I wake up is a sign. Both And my kids now walk out of it when they go to school. It's pretty simple. Work hard and be, be nice to people. That's it. <laughs> I've, been, I've been blessed. I've been lucky. I would have never thought a kid from my background... Um, you know, not having family, not being attached to sports would one day be able to be the youngest NFL team president to ever be named. And so I don't ever take that for granted. I pinch myself every single day. Um, and no matter whether it's, you know, the people janitor, you know, that are janitors in our stadium, the guest service people, they're all frankly trying to work hard to give back to our community or give back to our fans. And the minute you get above that is I think the minute you lose touch. So work hard and be nice to people. I love it. Kindness wins again. That's why my favorite quotes, be kind to your future self and do good deeds. It's been a tremendous interview. Thank I'll you so have much. To have you back. I appreciate and that. I really appreciate it. This is one superstar, 40 under 40, youngest executive, president, of course, of the 49ers. Here, Al Guido, Dave Meltzer with Entrepreneurs, The Playbook. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Playbook as much as me. On a personal note, I just wanted to thank everyone for making The Playbook such a success. Don't forget to continue it by sharing, subscribing, and listening to your favorite episodes. This is Dave Meltzer with The Playbook.